the curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed you will remain unscathed and unharmed you will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment for they will be paid back for what they have done when we live our lives within the shadow of god most high our secret hiding place we will always be shielded from harm how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us god sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high our secret hiding place we will always be shielded from harm how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here is what the Lord has spoken to me Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defend everyone. We're so glad that you're here today at Victory Christian Fellowship. If you're watching online, we just say welcome to you as well. I'll tell you what, there's no party like a Holy Ghost party. Amen. God is good and he is for you. He is not against you. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you are God and Jesus is Lord and your Holy Spirit is here. And Lord, we just rejoice in your presence. Now we're ready to have a divine encounter with you this morning. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let, let's worship the Lord together. together. Are you ready to worship in the house today? It's an all- 
As your worship is touching the God's heart. This is what's happening in heaven right now. The elders are joining the angels. And they're worshiping around the throne. And they're throwing their crowns to him. And there's worship. around. Angels are flying around the throne crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. took a step of faith some of you this might not have been comfortable but you took a step of faith and God meets you where you are God is here he loves you with a passionate love he gives you gifts like none other he has called you to himself and he wants to walk with you laugh with you 
fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise the Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise your name. Bless your holy name. happen when you say yes to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are so good. And Lord, we just love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Yes, Lord. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. 
And Lord, we magnify you in this place, in our lives, in our homes, where we work, and whether where we just hang out for fun. Lord, you have the most important part of every aspect of our lives. And we yield to you. Say, I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I listen to you, Holy Spirit. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you can make your way back. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just got to get out of the box a little bit. Glory to God. Whoo. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not going to do our uh, confession this morning. So uh, whoever is doing the announcements, come on up. How many know we got anointed announcements? Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning. I think that's the best news for the rest of my life. Jesus is my history. So when someone brings your history up, you say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is my history. I have no other history but the history of Jesus. I'm telling you, that struck me like lightning. Jesus is my history. And you share that with people. You say you have no other history as a child of God but Jesus. Jesus is my history. Nothing else. Jesus. Jesus himself and the Father said, I forgive you and I remember not. So that means he is our history. Ha <laughs> ha. Woo. That is the best announcement. You go announce that everywhere. Jesus is my history. <laughs> oh, glory, glory, glory. Just soak in Jesus. Woo. Okay, we got it? That's the only announcement you need. Jesus is my history. Oh. <laughs> Jesus is my history. Woo! Woo! Oh, so glory. Since Jesus is your history, we're moving forward. We have church today. Let me tell you, we're having church today. Jesus is in the house, and we're having church today. All right. I'm a teacher, and kids, let me tell you, we're going to have church upstairs. And we're having church downstairs. And the whole house is going to shake with the glory of God. Woo! Yes. Woo. All right. I'm going to do this. It's all right here. Ready, ready, ready? Jesus is my history. God's in the house. His glory is filling each one of us. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you're here. And those who are watching online, you say, Jesus is my history, and the glory of God is filling my house. Woo! 
Oh, we have our regular events for the week. You can see them online if you need to remind yourself. Next Sunday, we have the Women's Ladies Book Club after service. Please join us. You don't have to have the book. Just come be a part of the fellowship and listen to what the Lord is doing in everyone's life. And then we have March 22nd. We have a date for our guest speaker, Reverend Sushil Kumar. I practiced. I said I can say his name because God gave him his name. And he's my brother, so I can say Reverend Shushil Kumar will be here March 22nd at 6.30 p.m. So come on out, invite some friends. Uh, Yeah, we're expecting great things. If you can't make it, watch online, okay? And then we have our women's conference speaker. Do-do-do! Is Pastor Patty Akuai or Kui? Okay, Pastor Patty Akui, she's coming. She was here before, and she's going to be our guest speaker. So, women, get your your tickets by donation. You can get them in the bookstore online, April twenty first and twenty second. Ha ha! I did it. <laughs> Jesus is our history. Woo! And the glory of the Lord is in this house. Hallelujah. God bless you. I'm going to share what Jesus is our history means so you could take it all the way to where it needs to go. We started with a plan, Psalm 139. That's where our history started. It didn't start at your birth. It started before the earth was created. Your history started. God already had plans for you. He wrote it all down. And he, that's why he sent you here. That's why he sent me here. So your history has already been written down by God, your creator. So whatever the enemy did to you when you landed here, that, he doesn't make your history. God made your history. Amen? So that's what you need to hook up with. You need to say, God, I'm hooking up with your history of me. Because the blood washes everything the enemy has ever done. And the Lord says, I'll go before you. So the Lord is going ahead of us and clearing the way. The enemy wants to stop you from keep moving forward. And the way he does it, think about this, is always bringing up his history of you. You need to get in the word and start reading the history of God about you. That's what you need to start doing. Every day you should be saying what God's history of you says. That's how you change your perspective of your history. God already sees that history. You're the one that's having a problem with it. Do you understand? We're the ones that have a problem with whatever, whatever the devil did, but God already did something. Amen? So you get a hold of what God's version of your history looks like and say it out loud. Rejoice at the history of your life that God made for you. Amen? All right, that's it.
Well, Father, we welcome your presence in this place. And your word says that in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures at your right hand. And we thank you right now, Father, for speaking to us by your spirit. There is a new wine that flows from on high. Drink of this wine and you'll be good all the time. Just like I turned water into wine. Wine has a potency about it. Wine has a power. But this is not earthly wine. This is new wine. And it represents my spirit. So drink, drink, drink this new wine. Hallelujah. You say, well, how do you drink? You praise God with your mouth. Whether in the spirit or in English. That is your, that's how, that's your drinking mechanism for spiritual drink. Hallelujah. Well, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And he said on the first day of the week, well, we always think Monday is the first day, but Jesus didn't raise on a Monday. So the first day became the day that he rose. On the first day of the week, that would be today, let each one of you set aside something and save it up as you have prospered. You know, God expects you to prosper. Notice he said, as you prospered. So that no collection will uh, need to be taken after I come. So I know many of you have prepared your gift for this morning, and you can give it any time during the service. If you're watching online, you can give it through our website. If you need a card, you can go to our bookstore. And uh, God's a giver, so so are we. Yes. Amen? Amen? And uh, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Yes. You know, Jesus didn't weep when he was supposed to go to the cross. The Bible says there was joy set before him. Yes. He was a cheerful giver. Yes. Why? Because he knew... That gift was going to keep on giving. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I pronounce a blessing upon your givers and their gifts today. And I thank you, Lord, that their gifts are multiplied in your kingdom. And they do great exploits. And, Lord, I thank you for the blessing that you have given them in return, Father. And you empower them and cause them to prosper and to be fruitful and to multiply in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, um, all the kids that are going to kids' life, I just want you to line up shoulder to shoulder here. And, and the teachers, too, you know. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me so that he could bless them. And uh, so we're going to bless you this morning on your way to class. All right? And uh, I did this in our Bible adventure session. And... Uh, 
some of the kids felt like they were going to fall over. <laughs> but uh, how many know the blessing of the Lord is, is an empowerment? It's an endowment of God's power. So we're going to bless you today as you go to class. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful for the fresh anointing. We just bless them today in Jesus' name. We bless these kids, Father, with the power and the glory and the goodness of God. Be blessed. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Oh, let the word flow forth like a river in Jesus' name. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now we can cheer. You are dismissed to class. Have a good class. Hallelujah. Say, today's a little different. You know, um, we're being, uh, I'm going to say this, we're being invaded by Rhema. Because we have two Rhema directors coming to minister to this church. Sushil Kumar, he's a director of Rhema India. And uh, Patty Akui is the director for Rhema South Pacific. And... Um, Recently, she just, uh, someone from their uh, ministry raised someone from the dead. (laughs) Hallelujah. So she's over Fiji and Samoa and the Pacific Islands. And uh, she has a big boat where she goes to these different islands. And um, they have a Bible school there and stuff. And so you guys are blessed. Hallelujah. We get the cream of the crop. Amen. So are you open today? You know, there are two things that we need to know on how to move with God. And I'm not even talking about this, but I'm talking about this right now. Um, Number one, you need to know how to follow. And then number two, you need to know how to flow. Because with every river, there's a current. doesn't matter what river. You look at every river has one thing in common. It has a current. It has a flow. Right? And uh, Peter, who was an apostle of Jesus, he was an eyewitness of his life, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And one day he was sitting on a housetop meditating. And God gave him a vision. And the vision was a sheet from heaven came down and uh, there was all kinds of animals underneath it. The the sheet lifted up and he heard a voice and, and the voice said, Peter, rise and eat or kill and eat. And Peter said, oh, no, I don't need any unclean thing. You know, everything is just kosher for me. Right. And that happened three times. He didn't really understand what was happening, what God was showing him, but God was about to lead him into something that was totally different, totally new, because our God's a creator, right? We're going to get into the word here in just a minute. And uh, so while Peter was meditating on this vision, he heard a knock at the door. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said, 
there are three guys looking for you. I want you to go with them, ask no questions. How'd you like that? Right? So they came in, they stayed the night. Peter got up with them the next morning. Now these men were from Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a centurion who had an encounter with God. An angel appeared to him and told him he needed to get a hold of Peter. And the angel told him exactly where he was. Okay? Because even though Cornelius was a godly man, he was a devout man, he was a giving man, there was something that he needed in his life and his family that God was about to give him. But how many know God works through people? Right? So, Peter did what the Holy Ghost said. Say, he did what the Holy Ghost said. He went with the guys and he asked no questions. Because he didn't know what he was getting into. So, when Peter got to Cornelius' house, it was actually VCF. Because there was a whole group of people there. Right? And uh, Cornelius had invited his family and his friends. And the house was packed. And... uh, You know, Cornelius started to bow down and worship Peter, and Peter said, don't stand up, I'm just a man. The only one who gets worship around here is Jesus, right? He is the only object of our worship, and he is a jealous God. If you worship something else, he doesn't like it. Anyway, so Peter walked into this house full of people. He did not know what he was getting into, but he knew the Holy Ghost, He knew the voice of the Lord. He knew how to follow, and he knew how to flow. See, flowing means you got to be willing to do something you haven't done. You know, one time I I, I came into a service late in Illinois, and uh, I had worked late, so I got there late, and uh, they were singing some songs about joy and just I just heard something inside of me didn't hear an audible voice said well if you're joyful why don't you act like it I was like okay so what did I do I just stepped out into the aisle and I acted like I was joyful right and then you know what happened I got more joyful amen at that time I was climbing trees so I was in all kinds of different positions. I'd get cuts and scratches on my arms, you know. I'd be covered in uh, bark and anything else. And, uh, you know, so sometimes when you're like that, you, you don't feel like rejoicing. But you know what? When the Spirit of God says do it, you just do it. That's what, that's what it means to follow and to flow. Say, I can follow, I can follow. and I can flow. I can flow. Amen? And uh, the Holy Spirit, he is not logical, right? I mean, it's illogical for Peter to see Jesus walking on the water and he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. That's not, that doesn't make sense. Peter didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what he was getting into, but he knew how to follow and he knew how to flow. So Peter stepped out of the boat and he took a few steps on the water. Amen. Now, Jesus said, come. He didn't just say, come, Peter. Anybody in that boat could have gotten out. And they could have walked on the water. But only one person did. Would you be the one? Say, I'm the one. Say, I can follow. And I can flow. So Peter began preaching. Right? He was telling them about the life of Jesus. The death, the life, the death, 
the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, that's the gospel. Right? And in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Spirit interrupted. And he fell on that house. See, because God, he wants heaven to intermingle with earth. And when heaven intermingles with earth, the atmosphere is changed. Right? And uh, so the Holy Spirit fell in that house because these were all Gentiles. Up to that point, he had fallen on the Jews. But this was the first time where the Gentiles and the Jews were getting the same thing because that was God's ultimate plan anyway for the Gentile and the Jew to be one man in Christ Jesus. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in that house. And they spoke in tongues. And the, the guys who were with Peter said, hey, this is just like the day of Pentecost. When we heard, you know, we hear, we hear him speak in tongues just like we did. Amen? And uh, how many know that changed the house? Right? That changed the atmosphere of Cornelius' house. That was the missing link that he needed. He didn't know what he didn't need. Or he didn't know how to get what he needed. But God knew how to get it to him. And so God gave him instruction. He followed the instruction. Peter followed the instruction. God brought them together so that God could do a great thing. Amen? All right. Okay. Are you ready for the word now? Hallelujah. Um, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 16. This morning I was impressed to talk about the birth and the beginning of the church, which was birthed, which was forged in power. Matthew chapter 16, you can look on your device or if you have an actual Bible, whatever works for you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm by device. I got two devices going at the same time. Ambidextrous, right? For devices. Matthew 16, and we're going to go down to verse 18. Uh, Jesus asked a question to his disciples. He said, who do the people say that I am? And he had They said, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're one of the prophets. But you know what? He's not concerned about the opinion of the multitude. He's concerned about the opinion of the individual. He said, who do you say that I am? I want you to think about for just a second, who is Jesus to you? Is he just someone in the distance who you know about but you don't really know? Or is he someone that you wake up with, go to sleep with, have breakfast with, drive with, work with, whatever you do with? Amen? Who is Jesus to you? That's an important question. Because that question unlocked the answer of what the church needed to be. And so Peter got the revelation. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is God's son. All right. And Jesus told Peter in verse 18 or in verse 17, he said, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Say he got a revelation. 
And with that revelation, God started a revolution. Verse 18. And I say to you that you are Peter. You are a pebble, and, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, Jesus did not say he was building his church on Peter. Okay? He was building his church on a revelation of who he is. That's the rock. The rock is the revelation. The rock is when you, when you finally get to who Jesus is, whoever he is, you can have what he is. If you, see, if you know him as healer, you can have healing. If you know him as savior, you can have salvation. If you know him as a father, you can have a father. Amen? He is what... Whatever he is, that's what he has. That's what he offers. And then Jesus said something. He said, I will build my church. Everybody say, my church. Let me tell you something. The church is the work of Jesus. It is his church. This is his church. Amen? And we're the church. Say, I'm the church. Notice he said, okay, I'm going to build my church. That's a foundation. Every building needs a foundation. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's power. We have hell-resistant power in the church. Hell can't stop the church. Hell can't diminish the church. Hell can't tell the church what to do. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the kind of church that you're part of. You're not part of some wimpy social group. You are a part of a powerhouse of God. You are the house of God. You are the bride of Christ. You are the blood-bought sheep that God paid the high price for. You are glorious. He calls his church glorious. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The devil tried, but he he can try all he wants. He's not going to succeed. He's already been defeated. And if the devil messes with you, you can tell him to shut up and go because you have authority over him. Say he's building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The church has the keys. We have the keys. Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he went to the hardware store and he made copies, and he gave us each a copy. Did Jesus say to Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom? Here's the kingdom. Go have a good time with it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys are authority. We got kingdom authority. Why? Who gave us that authority? The king did. Jesus, the king did. He said in Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is me. Then I want you to go. He delegated his authority to his disciples. They did what he did. They cast out devils. They healed the sick. They cleansed the leper. They raised the dead. Say, I've got the keys. Notice the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Listen, when you do 
God's word, you are here to enforce God's word. Heaven will back you up. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose. Jesus loosed a woman who was bound by Satan for 13 years. She couldn't stand up straight until Jesus walked into that synagogue. And he said, woman, thou art loosed. And from she went, whoop, because she was bound by a spirit of infirmity. No rabbi for 13 years. Obviously, she went to synagogue regularly. Why couldn't, why couldn't a rabbi get her free? Because they had religion. They didn't have a relationship. They didn't have the keys. We got the keys. There's not a door that we can't open. We got the keys. You know, when you got a master key, we got a key from the master. We got a master key. The master key opens all the doors. Hallelujah. So the church began, the church began with a vision. It was the birthing of a vision, the beginning of a movement, and the building of the Lord's church. This was God's vision all along. Do you realize in Matthew 16, 8, this was the first time that they ever heard the word church. Before, this was something brand new. There were no churches at this time. There were only synagogues. The church wasn't even there yet because the church got birthed in Pentecost, which we're going to get to. Ooh, I'm having fun today. How about you? Okay, so a relationship with Jesus begins with knowing who he is. Who do you say that I am? You got to know who he is. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the only way to the Father. Amen? He is Lord. He is King of Kings. Right? I mean, I could go on and on who he is. Right? Once you know who Jesus is and he's abiding in your heart, he puts you in a church so that you can grow in the knowledge of God. We are the institution that Jesus has built on the earth to proclaim his message. The product that we offer to the world is salvation, eternal life. No other company on the planet makes eternal life. But we're a franchise from heaven. Hallelujah. You know, God's got a lot of franchises in the earth. There are franchises in China, Africa, Asia, Europe, North and South America. Amen. God's got, we're just a franchise. Palmyra VCF is a franchise of heaven. That's where our headquarters are. Hallelujah. McDonald's has a headquarters, but they're on earth. Our headquarters is in heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven is here today. Heaven came to pick you up and give you a big hug and a wet sloppy kiss. You know, God's in, God's in a, he's very uh, passionate about his children. Amen. So, God established an institution on the earth called the body of Christ, the family of God, to do his will and spread his good news in the world. That's our, our, our purpose, right? We come together to grow in the knowledge of God so that we can change the world. Amen? We, didn't, we don't just come to church to just take in and not give out. 
If all you do is come and take in and don't give out, you're a dead sea. You need an outlet. Well, you live around people that are your outlet. You see people in the community that are your outlet. You see people in the workplace that are your outlet. You might even see family and friends that are your outlet. Right? And all you need to do is communicate the good news to them. You know, good news is worth spreading. Amen? How many of you have ever eaten at a nice restaurant and told someone else, you had a good experience, the food was good, the service was good, and you told someone else about it? But then when it comes to telling people about Jesus, we get all nervous and flustered. Like, why? It's just like good food. Yeah, it's a whole lot better. You know, Bible says, taste and see that he is good. Amen? We have no problem sharing about a restaurant, but when it comes to sharing about Jesus, we get all, oh, 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 my goodness. Why? You got the best thing ever, amen? Don't, don't get so nervous about sharing Jesus. They might reject me. Yeah, they rejected Jesus too. No big deal. Go to the next one. Amen? Don't focus on rejection. My goodness, they hung Jesus to the cross. He was perfect. But he needed to shed his blood. Anyway. The church was a fulfillment of a divine promise that was birthed in power. Jesus is prophesying here, I'm going to build my church. They, hadn't even, they didn't even know what a church, that's like telling Noah, I'm going to make it rain. Noah didn't know what rain was. He said, I want you to build a boat because I'm going to make it rain. Wait a minute, okay, I know what a boat is, but what's rain? You read the story of Noah. It had not rained, a mist came up from the earth and watered the ground. Noah didn't know what rain was. And you're, you're telling him that it's going to rain? That's what he's saying, I'm going to build my church. They didn't know what a church was. This was the first mention of the church. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. He's also the foundation. And without him, the church would not exist. Amen. He's the all in all of the church. Right? He said, upon this rock, that's the revelation And the gates of hell will not prevail. That's the power. So God built his church on a revelation and power. Amen? A revelation is finding out something that you didn't know in an instant. It's like a a revelation is like a Polaroid camera. How many remember the Polaroid camera? You know, you'd click it and it'd come out there. You have to wait a minute before the, the image formed on the film. My dad, you know, he was an insurance agent and, uh, he would have to go take pictures of houses that he was insuring, and he had a Polaroid camera. And sometimes I got to take the picture. But I'd, take the, I'd snap the picture, and out would come, and then a minute later it would develop. Amen? That's what Jesus did. That's a revelation. And information or an image comes to you in an instant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God speaks to your heart or he reveals something to you, shows you something. So it's built on revelation and it's built on power. All right. Now, uh, go to first Corinthians chapter three, first Corinthians chapter three. If you're going to build a building, every building needs a foundation. I'm sure that this building is on concrete. I, I wasn't here to build it, but it's been here for a long time. So I guess it's okay. It survived many storms. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 
Paul considered himself a master builder. And he said this, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, is the foundation of the church on which it's built. And he doesn't change. He can't lie. And his love doesn't fail. That's a good foundation. He's not going to change. He doesn't lie. And his love never fails. His love holds up under anything. So we got a good foundation. Amen? And he brought all of his building material from heaven. Hallelujah. God the Father owns the construction company. The Holy Spirit is the contractor on site. And Jesus is the supervisor. Making sure it gets all done. Amen? He's, Jesus is the architect. He's the designer. He had this vision all along. From the beginning of the foundation of the world. He knew that he was going to build a church. And you are part of a network of believers all over the planet. Hallelujah. All right? Um, So the foundation is Jesus. Go to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28, verse 16. Peter actually mentioned, he references this, this scripture. But I want you to see it from Isaiah 28, verse 16. He said, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion. Zion is representative of the church. A stone for a foundation, a tried stone. Boy, I tell you what, this stone has been tried and it has never failed. There's, it, it can't crack. It's not going to move. Glory to God, you're on a firm foundation. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Say, I'm on a sure foundation. And we know the New Testament tells us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the the one on whom we are built. We are built Jesus tough. Say, I'm built Jesus tough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're built Jesus victorious. You're built Jesus overcoming. You're built Jesus healed. You're built Jesus joyful. You're built Jesus with peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah, I'm Jesus tough. Just like my history is Jesus, I'm Jesus tough. Amen? I take on demons and they flee from me. You know, the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil and what? He'll flee from you. What if I don't submit to God? Then he'll run to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, go to 2 Timothy 2.19. 2 Timothy 2.19. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Woo. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands... Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. 
and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Today is a good day to depart from iniquity. What's iniquity? Anything evil, anything against God, anything wrong. How do I depart from iniquity? Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for that iniquity. I'm sorry. Bye-bye. Send it out the door. Now you're good. Now you, you receive his forgiveness. Iniquity is like mud. You can either get out of it or wallow in it. You decide. If you want to wallow in it, you're just going to continue to get dirty. It's slippery, but if you get out of it, you can wash yourself and get new garments. Amen? Prodigal son, made a, he, he made a decision. He said, I'm, I'm getting out of this mud. Right? He was stuck, but he got unstuck. If you're stuck, you can get unstuck today. Today. Right now. Today. Amen? All you got to do is say bye-bye iniquity. All right? Okay. Now, mm, Jesus is the head of the church. Now, if you're the head of something, you would think it it would be important, right? I mean, Jesus is the head of the church. Uh, Ephesians, uh, oh, let's just go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, verses 17 to 18. Colossians 1, 17 to 18. How many believe heaven is here this morning? That means everything that heaven offers is here. Healing, freedom, all right? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. It says this. He is before all things. That's our head, Jesus. And in him all things consist. Without him we're nothing. And he is the head of the body, the church. Say, I'm Jesus' body. We are his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears, his eyes. We are his body. He's the head, but we're the body. And the head gets to tell what the body needs to do. Right? The head is the control center. Now, Jesus, he doesn't control you. He leads you. He's not a controller. He wants you to follow him based on love. Okay? He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. Jesus had to be the firstborn from the dead. Everyone else who died was held in Abraham's bosom. Until Jesus died, then he went to Abraham's bosom. Ephesians said he led captivity captive. He took everybody that was saved on credit in Abraham's bosom and brought him because he had to be the first one. He's the firstborn from the dead, glory to God. He was the first one born again. Hallelujah. And when when he went to Abraham's bosom, he preached the gospel. They got born again too. Of course, they were born again on credit, but they actually got born again just like When Jesus rose from the dead in John 20, he said he breathed on his disciples to receive the Holy Ghost. That's when they got born again. That's when the disciples got born again. Right? Hallelujah. Okay? That in all things he may have the preeminence. Verse 8. Well, I guess that's verse 18. Yeah. Okay. Hallelujah. Now, 
So the foundation is Christ. He's also the head, but the church is a powerhouse on earth. You are not part of the community of the wimpy. You have been forged and birthed in power. The power of God. All right? Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. I just got to get you to see some of these things. You doing okay? You're about to get better. Hallelujah. And uh, let's look at um, verse 7. Ephesians 3, 7. Paul said here, he said, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Say, God's power is effective. It accomplishes results. It brings changes. Boy, you all are just connected because I didn't even say repeat those last things, but you're just right on. That's good. You're flowing. Say, I'm flowing and I'm following. Amen. When we flow and follow, things happen. Because when heaven intermingles with an atmosphere, things happen. And we're going to see that here in just a minute. All right? Go to Luke 24. Luke, the Gospel of Luke 24. And verse 49. Hallelujah. I'm even using a new Bible that I normally use, so praise the Lord. Luke 24, verse 49. The church, the church's birthing place was Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus told his disciples in verse 49, Luke 24, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, when Fiona was pregnant with our boys, not at the same time, obviously, but we had an awesome pediatrician, Dr. Lancelotti. He was incredible. And we just loved him. And even though we lived in Hummelstown, we wanted to give birth to our boys in in Ephrata. And so we, we went to Ephrata, and that's where the place where both of our boys were born. They were born in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. Hallelujah. So God had a birthing place. The place was Jerusalem, and he told his people, he said, Go and wait for the promise of my Father until you be endued or endowed with power from where? On high. You know, that's the same power that got Mary pregnant. Power from on high. Right? He said the power of on high, the power of the highest will overshadow you. And when that power overshadowed her, life began in her. It was the power that produced the life on the inside. God wants his people to be endued with power. You have been given a grant. Every believer, 
in the, on the planet has been given a grant by God. You have been called to be endued with power from on high. Not just any power. Not horsepower. But power from on high. A specific place. A specific function. God wants you to have power from on high. He birthed the church in power. Go to Acts chapter 1. If you were never excited about the church, you're going to be excited about it today. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together. Are we together? Then get ready for God to move. Amen? Together with them, he commanded them. Not to depart out of Jerusalem. Why? They had a Lancelotti there in Jerusalem. No. (laughs) That was just the place. That's God's special city. Amen? He said, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Okay? Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They knew what baptism was. They were baptized. They baptized many people, but now they're going to get baptized in fire. Jesus told of John, he said, John truly baptized with water, but he who comes after me, who's greater, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. How many know the old locomotives, right? The old, old trains. You know what they need to get down the tracks? They need some fire. They got a tank. It burns wood or it burns coal, and that tank generates steam. When there's enough heat, and that steam moves the wheels. But God wants his people, if you want to get moving down the tracks, you got to have some fire in your belly. You gotta have a, you've been given a container of God to contain his holy fire to get you moving. To get you into what he's doing. God birthed his church in fire. It was a promise. The fire was promised from the Father. The fire came from heaven. It was the birth. Man, could you imagine being, I, I saw my sons get born. I never saw fire. I got to cut the cord, but I didn't see fire. But God birthed his church in fire. Holy fire. Every time God appeared, he, he appeared on the mountain of Sinai in fire. There were thunders. There were flashes of lightning. There was smoke. And there was fire on the mountain. And the mountain shook. God loves fire. Because the fire of God, it hurts devils, but it doesn't hurt believers. Guess what? You are a flamethrower. When the devil starts messing with you, you just throw some flames at him. You've got a fire on the inside. Amen? Some of you better keep a good supply of oil so that you can keep burning that fire. Don't let your oil run out. Too many people let their oil run out. And they get complacent in the things of God. They make God an option, not a priority. And they let other things take place and precedent over God. No. 
What God says is first. Anything else is second. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo! The day came. The church was experiencing birth pangs. Right? They were having contractions. And they were getting closer together. I remember the day when Fiona said, it's time to go. The contractions were flowing. Right? The closer the contractions are, that means the more the birth is ready to happen. Now the day came. Verse 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost, that was the festival of weeks. It was a festival of harvest. Listen, if you want to get a great harvest, you have to have, have, to have power to bring it in. Either machinery or manpower. You can't bring in the harvest by yourself. If you've got a, a field of five acres of things, it's going to be hard to bring that in all in yourself. You could get a combine. Amen? Guess what? God built a combine called the church to help him harvest in the earth. There is precious fruit in the earth. God has great patience for the precious fruit. So he established a church, a body of believers who were called out of darkness that could go, to, that could go here and go there. We are the combine of heaven. The church is the combine. Nothing runs like the church. Oh, you thought I was going to say something different? Sorry. So, the day of Pentecost came. They were all with one accord. Well, let's just back up just a minute. Go, go, go to chapter 1, verse 14. Let's see the attitude of the people. Okay? Acts 1, verse 14. Then these all continued with one accord in sleeping. Huh? They weren't sleeping? What were they doing? In prayer. And supplication. Supplication is a form of prayer. It's a specific prayer. Did they know what was going to happen? They had no clue. They just knew to wait for the promise. They didn't... They didn't experience this before. This was something new. They didn't know what was going to happen. You can't can't get in an atmosphere of God and predict this is going to happen, that's going to happen, because you don't know. God likes to do new things. God likes to do signs and wonders, right? He does things that make a sign and a wonder to other people, right? Signs and wonders are not normal things. They are for God, but when when they... happen they're abnormal for us amen because we're just experiencing it for the first time so these all continued with one accord they were in unity they had a hungry heart and a thirsty soul they were in one accord they 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 came together for a purpose they were going to receive something from god they were going to receive a promise they didn't know what that meant they just know they had to be there and get ready to receive so that how do you get ready prayer supplication and unity with the women and mary the mother of jesus with his brothers breakthrough in the family Some of those brothers were James. One of those brothers was Jude. They ended up writing books of the Bible. 
So there was an atmosphere. They weren't just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. When's this church ever going to get over? Do you realize Jesus told them to get into Jerusalem after he rose from the dead? That was 50 days. I don't know how long they were in this upper room. I don't know how many days they were there. The Bible doesn't tell us how many days, but Pentecost came 50 days after the resurrection. So they're there, they're praying, they're supplicating, and everybody's together. There's 120 of them, more than are here today. All right? So that's the atmosphere. All right, let's go back to Acts 2. (laughs) When, when, When heaven intermingles with earth, there are atmospheric changes that are off the charts that occur. Right? Because there, let me tell you something, heaven knows how to affect atmospheres. Okay? So, they were all with one accord in one place. It says it again, they were in one accord. That's very important. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. They're, they're praying, they're waiting, and then boom, Suddenly. All right, here's the atmospheric change. There was, there came a sound from where? Whoo, there's sound in heaven. And a sound came from heaven to earth to this place where they were gathered praying and supplicating and in one accord. There was a sound from heaven because it was a, it was, God said, I'm going to send my promise from the Father. The Father's in heaven. Amen. There was a sound from heaven. That came as of a rushing mighty wind. How many has ever heard a tornado? I remember when I was a young boy, I was staying at my grandparents' house. Before they had built their garage, they had a basement with a dirt floor. And there was a tornado that came where we were. And I can remember my grandmother grabbed my hand and we went, the wind was blowing, but you could hear a sound like a freight train running down the tracks, a loud sound. And, and we opened up those doors and climbed down the steps and hit the dirt, literally, to be safe from the storm. There was a sound from heaven As of a rushing, mighty wind. I want you to know, God puts these power words in there for a purpose. Our God is not a wimpy God. He's a power God. And he birthed the church as a powerhouse on the earth. And he he wants believers. He's given you the power. He's given you resurrection power. He's given you Holy Ghost power. He's given you his power. Say, I have the power. Say, I am powerful. And it filled the house where they were sitting. So this atmosphere, the sound, got their attention. And it was like a wind. And it filled the house. It filled the atmosphere. And people could see the presence of God. They could feel the presence of God. It filled where they were. They were just sitting there. Hallelujah. But it filled the house. Then, everybody say then. There appeared to a few of them, all of them. When God wants to move, he doesn't want anybody left out. 
there appeared to all of them. They were just sitting there. And all of a sudden, <laughs> appeared above their heads. Fire. Fire. Fire appeared above their heads. It was flickering like this. Fire. My head's on fire. No, it's not. It's a spiritual thing. The fire of God doesn't hurt the believer. But it was fire. Appeared above their heads. Right? It was flickering like this. Something was happening on the inside. It was like they felt like a volcanic eruption about to break out. Lava was beginning to flow. Right? Fire. Fire was over their heads. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Fire was flickering like this. It appeared above their heads. Because remember, it was a baptism of fire. God had to immerse his church in fire. They weren't birthed in water. They were birthed in fire. He, why? This was a holy fire. He wanted his people to have the junk burned out of them from the very get-go. You know, the minute you, you get born again, the minute you come to Jesus, the minute you make Jesus your Lord, you are clean as him. Think about that. The minute you say, Jesus, come in, you are as clean as he is. You are as holy as he is. You are just like Jesus. Wind blowing, fire burning, people sitting going, what is going on here? You know, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. He, he just said, go wait into Jerusalem. And, you know, Jesus, it's recorded that Jesus appeared to over 500 people when he rose from the dead. Everybody say 500. How come out of that 500, only 120 showed up? Because there was 330 people that weren't as hungry and thirsty as 120. See, if you're hungry and you're thirsty, you show up. Amen? You don't let anything stop you. Hallelujah. So, glory to God. So here, then, uh, and now it sat upon each of them, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began. Say they were filled with the Holy Spirit? And began. What did they begin to do? They began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. They did the speaking, but the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. He gave them the ability to say what they needed to say, but they had to say it. Say, I'm not a puppet. And God's not a ventriloquist. He's not going to put his hand on your back and move your mouth. He is going to give you something, but then you have to respond to it. That's the faith part. I mean, if God wanted to make us robots, he could have made us all saved. We'd be in heaven right now, right? But he didn't do that. He gave us a choice. There are some people, 
when God moves, they're like a rock in a river. <laughs> you know what water does when there's a rock in the river? It finds a way around it. There are times to be rocks, but that's not a time. You're not to be a rock when it's flowing. You're supposed to go with the flow. What does that mean? Don't resist. You know, the Bible calls people who resisted the Holy Ghost as stiff-necked. Hebrews 3. When God moves, just move with him. If he goes to the left... You go to the left. If he goes to the right, you go to the right. What am I doing? I'm dancing with God, but I'm letting him lead. I'm just following. Amen? You think it's no coincidence? I, I don't ever tell Dr. Fiona what, to, what songs to sing. I let the Holy Ghost do that. But the Holy Ghost is always right on. Amen? Hallelujah. All right? Now, they spoke in tongues, all right, verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when they heard the sound, <laughs> ah, I'm telling you, church, we've got to make a sound so that the community can hear. Amen? You've got to make a sound in your neighborhood so that your neighbors say, what was that sound? Well, let me tell you about that sound. Amen? We got to make a sound in our family, right? When your family members say, what was that sound? See, God uses sound to get your attention. He uses sound to attract people, right? If you worked on a ranch back in the old west and you had 50 head of cattle and you're out there working the cattle, riding your horse, you know, you're rounding up the cattle, you're making sure that they don't go here, you're building fences, then all of a sudden you hear a triangle, ding, 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 ding. What does that tell you? It's, a, it's time to eat, right? They make a sound when the dinner's ready, when it's ready to be put on the table. They make a sound, and all the workers come to the sound to eat at the table. God's making a sound. He's making a sound. He's saying, come and dine. The master is calling. Come and dine. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. Okay? You can read all these. Uh, um, all, there was a lot of nations that were listed there. Okay? But here's the thing. Most of the people in the upper room were Galileans. They had a certain language and a certain dialect. Okay? Here's what commentators have said about the language of the Galileans. Their dialect was proverbially barbarous and corrupt. Right? They had native ignorance and... That's what made this miracle more striking. Because everybody from these other nations who were at Jerusalem for Pentecost were hearing these Galileans that talked a certain way, spoke a certain way, had a certain language, but they were speaking other languages fluently. Galileans were not noted as people who studied language, which made this miracle more striking than we could even imagine. 
Here's what another guy said. They were all amazed and marveled. They were struck with surprise because they were as it were out of themselves like persons in an ecstasy, not knowing what could, uh, what the cause of meaning this. Are, are these not all Galileans? They're rude, unpolished, and unlearned. And do you remember when, uh, the, the disciple found Nathaniel and he said, come, we found the master. He's from now. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They had that mentality, like nothing good could come out of that area. So when these Galileans were speaking these other languages, talking about the, mag- mag- the wonderful works of God, and these people from all other places were hearing it, it was more of a striking miracle than we even imagine. That's what got their attention. It gave, it gave Peter an opportunity to preach. The, check this out. God used a man who denied knowing Jesus 60 days earlier. Do you realize Peter denied knowing Jesus about 60 days before this? How many know if you made a mistake, God's not done with you yet? God can still use you. God's still got a plan for you. And if you turn to God, hallelujah, he'll make great things happen. Now, the man who denied knowing Jesus stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, you know, the people, they were gathered outside this, this place because they heard this sound. This sound must have resonated throughout Jerusalem. This was no ordinary sound. It got their attention and they gathered to this place. And there Peter stood up. They said, these men are drunk. Peter said, no, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Too early to be drunk. They're just drunk with a different substance. They're not drunk as you suppose. But obviously the people were seeing and hearing things of these people. So Peter get up and he, he preached the gospel. Right? He didn't even have an altar call. The people said, what must we do? To be saved. And he said repent. Turn to God. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You and all your children. All your children's children. Everyone after you who will believe. That means us. Amen. And how many got born again that day? 3,000 people. So the church that was birthed in power. Forged in power. With a group of 120. All of a sudden now in one day. In one moment. In one event where heaven intermingled with earth. There was wind. There was fire. There was sound. There was some things happening. God's not a quiet meet God. I'm just going to go to church and be quiet. There's a time for being quiet. But then there's a time to shout. Amen. Sometimes you got walls in the way and you got to shout to get those suckers down. How do you know to shout at walls? God will tell you when it's time to shout. He will, t- he will instruct you. And there was Peter, stood up. They got born again. They got, they got baptized. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people? 120 people baptizing 3,000 people all at once. That was the birth of the church. That was the foundation that was laid was Jesus Christ. Everybody in that upper room had a relationship with Jesus. Everybody in that upper room were hungry and thirsty. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they just showed up. They made themselves available. Hallelujah. They were actively participating in God's plan. 
they put no restriction on what God wanted to do or what God needed to do. They just let it flow. Say, let it flow. We got to let it flow. Amen. God's here. He's ready to move. Question is, are we, we, we ready to move with him? Amen. I could read on and on, but there's no point. Now the heavy lifting comes in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you just need something for God to do for you, I want you to come up here in the name of Jesus. If you're hungry and you're thirsty for righteousness, the Bible said you shall be filled. The only qualification to get filled is to be hungry and thirsty. Amen? Because God truly satisfies. Some of you are going to have the fire. The fire. The fire. Let it burn. Just let it burn. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
shoes that have been pulled from the fire. We are firebrands. Our brand is fire. Fire of the Holy Ghost. We are the body of Christ. We are the branch. We are the bride of Christ. We are the company of the upright. We are the council of the holy ones. We are the family of heaven. We are the general assembly of the firstborn. We are God's building. We are God's field. We are heavenly Jerusalem. We are the house of God. We're the household of God. We're the Israel of God. And we're the Lamb's bride. That is the church. That is who you are. church. We got to act like the church. I'm not talking about the religion of today. I'm talking about the one that was birthed on Pentecost. They turned their towns upside down. The church has entered the building. Hallelujah. I had no idea what I was going to do today until I got here. I had no notes for all those extra things. But God knows. Amen. Were you blessed today? Were you encouraged today? Were you lifted up today? Go set your neighborhood on fire. Go set your family on fire. Go and be Jesus. Amen. Anybody else got anything? I'm... I'm good. I'm done. Amen. Father, thank you for sealing this with your Holy Spirit. Let this be a memorable moment in our lives that you will always bring back to our attention. And we just continue to look to you, Lord, and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great and wonderful week.